Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Clam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 18th episode of Gatekeeper. My name is Jamie Flam, and I am the Gatekeeper. And it is Andrew Steven, the producer of the show, that put the really cool effect on my voice when I just said that I am the Gatekeeper. Do I sound relaxed? Well, damn it, I should, because I just got back from a week's-long vacation. That's right, a week up in Big Bear, California, and I think it would be funny, as I describe my vacation... For Andrew to lay down the sounds of the beach. I mean, the sounds of the beach when I'm talking about being in the forest. How funny will that be? I mean, right now you can hear the sound of the waves and and the, the seagulls flying over and any other sounds you can come up with. But guess what? I was in a forest where there were uh, also birds uh, and uh, trees and uh I guess it would be the sound of rustling leaves. I don't know the sounds of the forest. I'm moving on from this weird tangent. I recommend everyone out there take a vacation. I talk so much about the stress related uh, to this job of booking a club. And granted, I'm not healed completely, but just a few days away, disconnected is so important and something I think a lot of people might take for granted. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress at whatever job it is you do, hey, Take some time off. You've deserved it. You've earned it. And get some R and also some R. And speaking of R's, I got a couple of them for you. One, ramekins. They are small, uh, almost little bowls, but very tiny that you might put a mustard or a sauce in, I believe. Look it up. Ramekins, they are on your internet. The other R I want to talk about, reductress. Now, if you don't know what reductress is, it is the first and only satirical women's magazine. Uh, it was founded in 2013. It is based out of New York. And the mission of Reductress is to take on the outdated perspectives and condescending tone of popular women's media through the eyes of the funniest women in comedy today. And I'm really excited about my guests that joined me for a great conversation. Her name is Sarah Papalardo, and she is a writer, an editor, a performer, a producer. She's a podcaster. She does the podcast Mouth Time. And she's the co-author of How to Win at Feminism, A Guide to Having It All, and then some, which is the first book that will be coming out from Reductress. So we had a great conversation. We're going to kick it to there right now with the final sound of a ramekin. Make that happen, Andrew. Enjoy the episode. Uh, welcome to Gatekeeper. I'm very excited to have a guest in front of me right now. She is a founder of Reductress, a, a wonderful women's magazine founded in 2013. It's the first and only satirical women's magazine. She's going to tell us more about that and all about other amazing things in the world of gates and gatekeeping. Sarah Papalardo. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. It's great to see you. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk to you today, Sarah. I have to admit that, you know, talking about feminism and issues uh, in that realm as a white male who happens to be a gatekeeper, uh, it can be a little uncomfortable um, and, and not wanting to say 
the wrong thing, not knowing what the right thing is to say, and just bumbling and bumbling. <laughs> but you're trying, and that's good. Yes. It's a good boy. <laughs> no, it's 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 great. Like sometimes it's it's just really appreciated that any man is willing to even listen. So it's it's pretty refreshing, and um, you know I'm happy to talk to anyone who uh, is just willing to to kind of hear us out. Awesome. Well, then let's dive in. So, Sarah, you're in town from New York City. Yes. Where you live. I do live there. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? I love it. Um, I, I kind of love to hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's got all the, the right um, annoying things and challenges that um, keep me... Honking, uh, honking cab horns. Keep me angry. Yeah. 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 That's but, the big one. That keeps me hungry. So it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're in LA for a week and you're here and we met because you were doing a big show here at the Hollywood Improv. Uh, unfortunately, well, this will go out the day of the show. Oh, well, so. that's that's actually a quick turnaround. Yeah. Come so, to the show. Yeah. So this is tomorrow night. So give a quick plug for what the show is tomorrow here at the Hollywood Improv. Uh, so the show is Reductors Presents, presents the Brotherhood of Women. Um, we put together a stand-up variety show uh, with some amazing folks on board. We've got Emily Heller. Uh, Barbara Gray, Mo Welch, Sabrina Jalees. Um, and we're doing a, a panel at the end where we're going to answer all your ridiculous questions, give some ridiculous advice back. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. You've been doing live shows for Reductress in New York. Yes. Great. And so this is your first one in LA. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So uh, you know, go to the Hollywood Improv website, go to Reductress. I saw it's on the top of your website as well to get tickets for this great event, um, which is tonight. If you're listening to it, the day this drops. Tonight. And if, you, if you're listening to it another time, sorry. It's a shame, honestly. It but was a great show. I believe you post pictures. Oh, of course. Great. So check, check out their Insta. social. Check out their Insta. Yeah. So Reductress, tell us all about that. And then we'll get into more about your background. Sure. Um, so my partner, Beth Newell, Beth Newell and I uh, started Reductress in 2013. Um, it kind of came to me with an idea. Oh, why isn't there a fake women's magazine why isn't there like satirical women's magazine we're like oh there has to be we're like googling and googling and no one had actually done it in any meaningful way a lot of people have kind of poked and prodded at the idea but no one really did it so we're like well if we're gonna do this we better fucking do it and uh we spent four months developing the site um got a small group of girls together and wrote about 50 or 60 articles and we launched and uh since then uh it's been good we uh wrote a book um we have a podcast. Uh, we've got some other awesome projects coming up, and uh, it's been it's been good. So, what, what was the original thinking behind it? Why why did you want to fill this this void in in the world of satirical women's magazines? Uh, a few reasons. I think uh, both Beth and I were coming from a place where things that we would we, we come from a, a sketch comedy and improv background, and a lot of things that we would maybe pitch in a room. Um, that were, was maybe female-centric, coming from a female experience. Uh, a lot of guys just didn't get it. Um, and it, no, to no fault of their own, it's just if it's not part of your experience, it's, why would it we're be idiots. funny? Yeah. We're all well, dumb idiots. No, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have your own like dick ball <laughs> stuff that we don't know anything about. That's hilarious. Just I kidding. Know. We know everything about it because you talk about it all the time. Um, no, so, you know, there are just a lot of things that um, I guess weren't really getting kind of picked up or, or received well. And um, we just realized there was kind of not, not a space for women to create what they want. Um, and then of course the fact that there just really wasn't this particular thing out in the world yet. 
um, that it just seemed like the perfect way to also comment on women's media and the way that media talks down, uh, women's media talks down to women, um, the praise on insecurities and fears to sell us things. Um, and more recently, uh, praise on us using the the guise of empowerment and feminism to sell mm. us things. Um, and what is an example of that? And I, I know what you're talking about, but I, it, it is prevalent. Can you explain that? Sure. Uh, let's take, you know, are you familiar with like the Dove campaigns in the past few years? No. All right. Oh. <laughs> Tell me about the oh, Dove man. campaigns. Oh, you're going to have fun with it. So maybe starting a few years ago, they, they actually put out some good campaigns where they had um, larger women uh, in their ads. Uh, to sell a lotion and it was like hey look we're not a size two uh which is pretty cool but then um from then on it's like they they seem to like run out of ideas of ways to empower women like it got to the point where they'd put on these like ridiculous social like clearly fake social experience experiments they'd be like um okay we had 10 women who hate themselves uh describe themselves to a sketch artist um and they were and the way they described themselves was far more hideous than the sketch artists saw them. Like it was just such like a convoluted idea to show like, see women hate themselves. Um, like another one was um, they're like women with curly hair also hate themselves. One of the, one of the hardest things as a woman is to, to have curly hair. So they would like put on this like big party where like a band played a, an empowering song about curly hair so that like little girls could know that it they could, grow up with curly hair and be okay um and yeah so just, just there's all these weird stunts that they've done just ultimately to like sell lotion sure how's the lotion has that improved over the years <laughs> i don't think so i would i have never bought it because that makes it tougher yeah yeah i know i i mean i i use keels it's way better and how's keels uh marketing they, Are they don't market they don't market so good they don't have to you hear that dove uh-huh you can say Think a lot more it, sometimes Dove. through silence. Maybe you should work on yourself first. Uh, that was a fun tangent. Yeah. Um, getting back to Reductress. Mm. Keeping Gates. So yeah, keeping Gates. So mm. as you started this website, it's taking off and, mm-hmm. um, and, and seemingly it's going great. I mean, there are so many articles and on this website. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. We, we edit and write many articles. Um, it's, it's going well. Um, you know, our day to day is maybe like 50% um, going through pitches, editing pieces, writing in house, um, teasing out what's going on in the news cycle, um, writing the podcast and, and working on a few other things. Um, so there's a lot of decision making going on. Um, you know, a lot of like judging our own takes in the office when we're trying to like generate ideas and, and write stuff in house. And then there's a lot of, um, just going through tons and tons of pitches that come in from our uh, con- outside contributors. And I, one, one thing I'd love to do on this podcast is really show people that sometimes you just dive in, you have an idea. So take us from like the moment you guys decided you're doing it to now, like what does what does that look like and how did it organically get to the point where you're coming to the world famous Hollywood <laughs> to do a big show? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, not as glamorous as one would think. Uh, we spent the first year, um, I had like quit my full-time job after we launched the site and just went freelance and we were both kind of just like bouncing around and trying to make money where we could, but the site wasn't making money in any shape or form. Was that the goal from day one? Uh, to, to make profitable? money? Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I think we wanted it to be a sustainable thing because I think um, a lot of the problems with these labors of love is they end up kind of draining you and then they go away. And I don't know, then it would just be like all for naught. So like the goal is to make it sustainable and also um, give us an opportunity. Like the website is just one part of the way we uh, satirize all of women's media. And we wanted to use the website as a launching pad to do all of those other things, kind of like whatever. you know, whatever like Kathy Lee and Hoda would do in every uh, aspect of media, like we want to do via satire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the first year we were just like, well, this is a blog. I have no idea what we're doing. Um, we did a small Kickstarter and did a redesign. Um, and I think that's where we started to gain traction. We started posting daily instead of weekly. We <laughs> were working out of this kind of artists co-working space in the Lower East Side that was just like plywood tables and like like the toilet didn't really work. So like anytime someone like, basically anytime someone took a dump, like the, <laughs> it just like wouldn't go through the pipes. Like it just like would seep. I'm not joking. It would seep through the walls. Um, and that place is still there. It's despite gentrification. Still, oh uh, but we did, we did move uptown to a, a smaller hovel, a smaller windowless hovel. Um, and uh, yeah, since then, you know, like, We've definitely gotten um, good a good response from people, and that um, led to some other opportunities and um, partnerships and things like that, um, so that we could um, grow our staff just a little bit. We now have like a small handful of uh, editorial staff and a couple of interns on board, and yeah. And how many writers are there? That's a lot of writers. We, I mean, we probably have about like. 30 regular contributors at any given time, but we've had well over a hundred over the course of Reductress. And so as a gatekeeper of Reductress, like how does that, um, as far as editorial um, goes, like what is, what is the process if someone wants to be a writer? Good question. So um, anyone, anyone who's interested can email intern at Reductress.com for pitching details. But the gist is um, not unlike the onion uh, asking for 10 headlines and a short description. and we're really just looking for, is the headline funny? Is the joke in the headline, is it clear? Is it concise? Is it relevant in any way, shape, or form to um, either the female experience or something that's you know going on that's just universally relevant? Um, Do and you, is gender important to who's contributing? No. No? No, absolutely. We, we have a bunch of guys who do contribute. Um, I mean, it's definitely a little more challenging, I think, coming from just like a a generic male experience mm-hmm. to kind of tap into um, what what women do, <laughs> what how women think. What, what do women do, and how I, do they think? It's 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 tricky. I mean, it's it's complicated, and you know, um, but but there are some guys who really do get it, and um, they are really consistent and really funny, and just get it. I don't know. Maybe they listen to their girlfriends. I don't. I don't really know how they do it. <laughs> And what, um, I mean, what are, what would be some examples of like maybe submissions of people that aren't relevant or aren't getting it? Um, well, I think one big thing we see is, um, these kind of maybe phrases that you hear a lot too, like, um, uh, ghosting, you know? So we'll get like a lot of ghosting pitches and that doesn't mean that like whatever joke they're making about or like double entendre about ghosting they're making is inherently flawed or unfunny it's just we get literally 
50 ghosting related pitches a week or something about thigh gap 20 times a week. And so we just can't take, I mean, we, we've kind of covered that territory a long time ago. I know so many things. And I, of course, of course I know what ghosting is. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I'm very savvy, <laughs> but to a listener that didn't know what ghosting was, which of course I know, well, how would you describe it? And oh, I mean, since you already know this, I'll keep it brief. Sure. Yeah. Um, cause you definitely know it's, um, when you are kind of whatevering with someone, you know, like sort of dating, maybe like you're, you're in textual contact and then you just kind of disappear off the face of the uh, earth. Oh, got it. Yeah. So I do know it's what a that hot is. Top, hot toppy. <laughs> On both <laughs> ends of the spectrum. Oh, no. Well, I'm not, as, as long as it's both sides. It's oh. just, you know, like, uh, and we don't have to get into dating. Never mind. <laughs> That's a uh, different podcast. Right? So you mentioned there's a podcast as well. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, it's called Mouth Time. It is, uh, takes place kind of in the world if, uh, if Reductress were a real thing with real editors and their points of view were like, base reality um that's what it is basically a, a satire of the cosmopolitan podcast if you ever just give it a try it's insane um so we bring on some characters um in the women's interest uh, arena and our hosts quen and div um are just <laughs> how do you spell div div mm-hmm. and quen and quen not quinn uh, yeah and they're and they're just insane how many episodes have you done of that? We are 20 episodes in. Deep in the we're game. we're Congrats. we're doing like eight episodes this week. So Oh, while you're in LA. It's a, it's a busy season. Yes. Awesome. And how I mean, I, I, this is the 18th episode of this, so I'm right behind you. Mm. Pat on my back. Mm-hmm. Uh how is the that the, the podcast evolved since uh, it started? It's I think we're just figuring out how to keep it fun, especially because we're dabbling in territory um, that if done incorrectly could be very um, mean um, and very making fun of women instead of making fun of women's media. Um, So a lot of what we were kind of workshopping before we really dove in was how to keep it fun and um, interesting and really just absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we're still working on it, but uh, Anna and Nicole do an amazing job at uh, really keeping it, keeping it weird. Keeping it weird. Good. That's yes. awesome. Weird is good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of weird, your childhood. I'm <sighs> just kidding. I don't know about your childhood, but um, life story. Go. Oh, woof. Uh, born in Boston. Classic I, town. Yep. You I, got the uh, Celtics. This is true. That's And that's it. That's, and uh, That's it. Uh, chowder. Yeah. I yep. love chowder, by yep. the way. Are you soup head like me? Uh, love soup. Yep. Honestly, I, I really love its filling and wet nature. All right. Um, We're getting to the good stuff. Here. Yeah, I know. This is getting heavy. Uh, and then I mostly grew up in Bedford, New Hampshire, which was kind of a funny town. Um, Seth Myers's mom was like my field ho- hockey coach one year. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Was she funny? She's, she's awfully sweet. Yeah. She's probably the sweetest woman I've ever met. Um, and I don't know, New Hampshire was just like a suburb. It wasn't very exciting. And I went to Chicago for school. Um, that's where I got into improv. Well, actually, I, I, I was taking improv classes in high school in Boston. And it's like, oh, I just want to do this all the time. And that's really mostly how I spent college. Like college itself was an afterthought. Um, I started uh, musical directing shows at the Second City um, to 
get classes for free. And that was kind of a cool way to take the back tour into directing mm -hmm. and learning sketch from that angle. When you um, say musical directing, what meaning? Um, on the keys, to, um, writing songs, arranging songs, playing piano for sketch shows. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, not anymore. Like I can, I'm functional on the piano, but it's not a thing. Can you play more than one key at the same time to yes. make a desired sound. I can That's produce some music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then I kind of just got into playwriting for a while. Um, I, that's kind of what brought me to New York. I was just writing plays and kind of holed up and was a little quiet in the comedy community. Still doing sketch and improv for fun, but, um, I was just writing, uh, a ton on my own, put a couple of shows up. Um, and, uh, then I actually got back into sketch at the Magnet Theater, which is where I met Beth. Um, and I guess the rest is, the rest is history. I love it. And so yeah. at, at that was at the point you were like, let's start Reductress and here you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely one of those points in my life where I was like doing a writing every minute of my not day job. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, all right, I'm either going to do something in the field that I want to be in, or I'm going to keep working at a digital agency forever. Mm. Um, and this was just kind of like, this was the thing that made sense. Well, in regards to you as a writer, and then also um, your you know work ethic with Reductress, that's another theme of this podcast: is how do how do people get shit done? Mm. How do you get shit done? Be organized. Um, what does that look like for you? Well, so part of my day job when I was uh, before Reductress, I was a project manager and producer, um, and I think that really helped me understand like triple constraints, like time it's either going to be done quickly or well. Or, um, what's the other one? Quickly or well or terribly? Ah, uh, wait, no, it's time, quality, cost. There we go. Oh, TQC. This guy knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, one, one of those has to eat shit usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's just like project, I project manage my life. Like it's kind of boring, but I uh, just stay really, really organized and. I, I block out different parts of my day for administrative work and answering emails and different parts of my day for one type of creative work or another type of creative work. And I just stick to it. Um, I mean, oh. I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I try to structure the stuff that just has to get done. That doesn't require a lot of thought. Um, first. And I mean, that doesn't mean that I don't stare at a blank blank word document any more than or any less than anybody else um and some days i'll just like spend six hours staring <laughs> at like or like looking at my cat and then spend one hour writing but um your cat's like stop glaring at me yeah 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 but i guess like even just in in like beating out ideas like i really like lists so if i'm working on a big daunting project i'm just like all right like let's outline this thing all right, let's refine the outline. All right, let's refine it even more so that when I'm actually writing, it practically writes itself. Um, and I mean, that's even how I, like, I would write a piece for Reductress too, is really just like list it out, beat it out, and then, and then like, what from there. Like software or, or apps do you use, if any, to, to help you keep organized? Uh, I'm not a big, I'm not a, I, I tried a few, like I tried crazy stuff like, the full screen blocker so that there's no distraction other than yeah, what you're sure. writing. 
that I never stuck to it. I think I just do like good old fashioned like goal setting, like small bite sized goals. So then I can be like, all right, I'm going to get up in 20 minutes and then just like walk around and like eat some garbage out of the fridge and come back to it. Um, but why do you yeah, keep your garbage in your fridge. That's a good question. And why do you eat it? I don't, I don't know. My diet's weird. It's I mean, you like, look so healthy. Like thank it, it you. might be a, thank you. A, a tip. I yeah. Guess. I it's low carb garbage. Um, it's really helped me. I book a comedy club, by the way. Oh, whenever I, I make know. terrible jokes, I like to I follow like up with, oh. I'm a, I'm a oh. gatekeeper in comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like it. Thank you so much. Good, good work. Keeping gates. Um, uh, so, I mean, going back to Gates then. Yeah. I mean, what are the gatekeepers now for you? Like you obviously want to take reductions to the next level. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How do you stand out? Who are you? Are you is it trying to get money from now more advertisers? What does it look like um, as far as the gatekeepers in the world of uh, magazine publishing? Sure. Uh, there's a couple. Um, yeah. Uh, there's that side of like the branded content thing that everybody must do now. So you're kind of pitching something to a yogurt company which is way different than you know pitching a tv show but darn it we're doing both so we're trying to kind of um it's it's challenging to funnel your voice in those two directions and um but still have it be coherent and be like that is inherently our brand um so yeah, it's kind of, it's a lot of guessing what some arbitrary corporate decision maker is going to make, just as much as you're kind of guessing what some arbitrary network executive would make if you're pitching a show. Um, and I wish I could say that I've really, I've really nailed the differences. Um, you know, I think we all kind of have a gist that like corporations are pretty conservative. Um, and you'll play. Yeah. Um, one of the most conservative. Very conservative. Um, there. <laughs> I approached them about the eat fucking yo play. Yeah. Uh, campaign didn't fly. No. Oh, jeez. Doesn't let me in the building. What a shame. And I'm not allowed back. Wow. I'm the booker of a comedy club. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's become a trope Keeping of this gates. podcast. I think. Keeping gates. Keeping gates. Well, let's talk about the big hot button issue. Mm. And it's something that I think um, a lot of listeners to this podcast uh, are curious about because um, we've had some great um, female guests, um, Zoe Friedman, um, <clears throat> who booked uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, David Letterman and Comedy Central and now works at Blue Ribbon. But, you know, females in comedy um, seems to be a an issue in feminism. Where do you feel that is at? Do you think there's been progress in the last few years? And... Um, how do you feel Reductress is helping hopefully to forward that? Yeah, uh, it's so hot right now. And I think with this like second wave comedy boom, women uh, have almost defined it in a way. Uh, it's not entirely, but I think it's, it's, it's reshaped this, the whole world of comedy right now. Like there was never an Amy Schumer or a broad city out there in the eighties or the nineties. Um, like there is now. And um, I think it's changing what we see as normal in terms of comedy, like what's acceptable, um, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, of course, I really want to eventually live in a world where we're not even having to have the conversation like, why are women in comedy? Are women even funny? But um, but I think we might be on the path there. So. I guess with Reductress, we're just making space for more 
young, like green uh, comedy writers to get their ideas out in the world and also have a community uh, in their respective city or town of women who do the same thing. And we, when we can, we try to work with our contributors to do other fun stuff and um, get them to work together and just make more good material. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know kind of the LA landscape, um, you know, from indie shows to clubs and, you know, the certain um, tropes, um, you know, of, certainly the clubs get a lot of heat for not having as many women on lineups. And um, so there's been a big push. You know, I know I personally always, you know, go for diversity um, on any lineup, but uh, there's the crazy politics and all that. Like in New York, is is that still a big issue? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I don't think it's any different uh, at all. Um I mean, I can't speak to it personally, thank God, because I've like avoided the the, sh- the game of stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, I admire everyone who does it, but my God, I just <laughs> oof, it's brutal. Um, but when it's good, it's good. Um, yeah, it's it's still an issue. And it's I mean, maybe you could speak to this more like it just seems to me like most bookers are still men. Mm-hmm. Um and that doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that um, a certain kind of taste is overrepresented. That's really it. And I yeah. think it just, that trickles down into there being fewer women on stage, which inspires fewer women to try it in the first place mm-hmm. or to stick with it um, in that really precarious time like of o- open mic level stuff. Um, so it's it's a, it's a hard hurdle to get over, but... Um, you make a good point. I, I think do think that that's an important um, part of that process for a for young stand-up is it is a very male-centric at, at the open mic level even. That can't isn't always welcoming. Um, and that, how that will affect you know the longevity of someone being like, I do not have the uh, patience uh, to get through this for the next several years to, to make it. Um, I think you know at, at the club level, um, we're always looking for, for more females. I mean, just the pool of people that send in their veils you know, like it's, it's a much lower number of females. So on any given night, you know, you, and certainly if you look at our lineups, especially in our lab too, you know, there's lineups where we have, uh, you know, all or most women. Um, but then there's nights too. And it's, and we know because, you know, people will retweet or like a picture of our lineup and be like, you know, we have one woman and, you know, they have two shows on our main room stage tonight. Mm. So we're very aware of it. And, um, you know, want to i want this place to be a place of progress and, and show that um but yeah. it's under under the microscope more than ever yeah i mean and for and good reason there's like a kind of a secondary problem or at least one we've had only in new york recently is that we want to get the best women on our show of course so we're like all right who's around and it's like oh oh sh- she just went to la she just got she just got staffed on a show oh how about her oh yeah, she's just gonna be in la for a week she'll be right back but she will not be there for your show and it's just this, like, the the good thing that's happening right now is because women are now being seen and respected is that when you're good, you just shoot right into, you know, the desired path and you get staffed on a show, you get your special. Um, and then it's kind of just hard to, then it's, it's hard to catch them, mm-hmm. catch them and book them. Um, so that's really good. But there is still just overall, the pool is so much smaller that. You know, what are you going to do? Find more youngins? Yeah, you hope. Yeah. 
Would well, would you give any ad- advice to you know young women in the, the comedy world, be it stand up or improv or anything else, to um, um, you know maybe accelerate quicker or uh, anything that you've learned in, in you know facing all the gatekeepers as a female writer and and producer? Um, I mean the big thing is just stick with it because so much of this is just the doing and the doing and the doing to be proficient at this craft um, and not be daunted by um, a bad crowd, not be daunted by crowds that don't get it and just keep consuming as much comedy as possible. 10 years ago, you might not have, you might've seen a certain set of things that were popular that you couldn't necessarily relate to, but the more you consume and the more you get out there, um, there are women who are doing something that's uniquely them. Um, and you might find that person that's like, Hey, I didn't know you could do that and you're doing it well. And it's just, just let yourself be inspired by what other people are doing because they are out there. I love it. Yeah. Let's talk about the idea of tokenism, a word and phrase that I use frequently all the time um but the idea of like affirmative action and this um perception that you know when there are females on a lineup or in a in a writer's room or involved in any way that they're just uh trying to fulfill a quota by the producers uh for an outward look no um see there is a problem with tokenism because it's a thing that is that is happening and it's there is a way to staff your show so that it is diverse in a way that doesn't promote that idea. First thing to do is to not hire one woman on your staff or one black woman or one Asian man or one gay woman. Like that is exactly what's going to uh, keep that idea going that oh, they just got hired. And they're less likely to even put themselves out there in a room where there's nobody like them. But or all eyes on them are like, need an Asian gay joke right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's just... Trevor? Just and, and also, it's just not, that's not diversity. Diversity is not 11 men and one woman. Uh, you know, the quality of content can be so much better when there's a diverse range of experiences um, and all of those people feel s- secure enough to share those experiences. It's going to make for a better show. I mean, if you really do hire... Uh, 12 guys from Harvard, how, how different are their takes going to be really? Uh, I just think that diversity makes for better content period. Um, but when it is mishandled and when it is just like, Oh, we're just going to put this on cause we have to, it just makes everyone actually believe that that's a thing that's happening when it doesn't, it doesn't have to, there are mm-hmm. talented people out there. Um, but you can't, I don't know. You just have to be thoughtful about how you staff things. Do you feel there's any, um, whether it's live venues or, or shows or anything that's doing it right that stand out to you? Uh, Broad City has a really kick-ass diverse room. Um, let's see, Sam B. I mean, eh, you know, of course that's like a, a woman skewing room, but, but yeah, I mean, it's great. There are still a bunch of men who write for it too who are awesome. Um, let's see, Seth Meyers just hired a few really fucking awesome women um that are they're just doing an awesome job uh yeah i mean that's that's all that comes to mind right now but i know it's really it's been really challenging in the late night sphere to um kind of 
get that. But that's just because, again, like it's the problem that there's um, not as many women coming up as we would like to see. But I think that's that's slowly changing every year. Yeah, seemingly it feels like it, at least on my end. Um, how do we, you know, you know, moving into the future, avoid even having to have this conversation? Is that five years down the line? Twenty uh, years? I hope it's sooner. But six months. You know, let's be optimistic. Let's just maybe like, your show tomorrow six, night. Months, it's going to change everything. Maybe your show tonight at the Improv is going to change it all. Yeah, change the discourse. Me hopey. Uh, it. I. I think that we all have to come to the table and uh, under the same assumption that diversity makes a better show. Um, really, it. It just does, and maybe this. Maybe this isn't exactly a widespread idea because, especially when. Comedy is so personal and based on personal experience. It's kind of hard to um, feel that another person's ideas are valid. Um, but I just really hope that people start to have an open mind and think that maybe their experience isn't like necessarily mainstream or the most widely accessible or mm-hmm. anything like that. Well, luckily, it looks like Trump is going to be coming into office, and um, as a you yeah. know bold feminist himself, I think that. Builds well for our future. Definitely. As Americans. Yeah. I mean, that uh, press secretary is really like, uh, she's <laughs> feminist icon already, just standing quietly behind him all the time. Very inspiring. Absolutely. If you don't, excuse me, I'm just going to quickly do a Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> pledge of Allegiance to, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm the book of a comedy club. <laughs> well, third time's always the charm. Uh, comedy comes in threes. So, reductress. Uh, what what's the future? What's the what? Do you have a five year plan and a ten year plan? Yeah, we um, we really want to go Oprah in the next five years. So hopefully we get there. Like but, uh, we do the color purple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. We want to be on Broadway, um, live. We want a chai. We want. Um, a cable network. Is she known for her chais? I mean, I know that she, she is. I think she has a branded chai at Starbucks. Oh, really? I checked. What's it called? So, and I check, let me tell you. Um, yeah, uh, we have a book coming out this October 25th called How to Win at Feminism. It's um, a manual on feminism from a women's magazine, which is completely correct in every way. And uh, you should read it, pre-order it. Um we is it just a uh anthology of stuff from the website it's all new stuff all new stuff yeah uh so check it out uh and check out mouth time the podcast the podcast so those are the things and then where i mean how big do you want to build this thing what what would be the perfect dream scenario um is to have used every viable medium to comment on women's media with the hope that it no longer needs Yes, to thus end all commentary altogether. Put me out of a job. Thank you, Sarah, for joining me. Thank you. And just lastly, just give a where can people find you and Reductors Online? You can find me at your Papalardo on Twitter. And you can find Reductors at Reductors.com, at Reductress, you know, all those places. Awesome. And so any parting advice for anyone um that you know, is knocking on doors and might be hearing no a lot. Yeah. Embrace the failure. Um, it's going to happen to everyone. Um, and people don't talk about it nearly enough. 
Um, if your pitches get rejected from anywhere, if your packet gets rejected, it does not mean that you're the least funny person on earth. It just means for 70 different arbitrary reasons, it might not have been a good match. Um, and especially with the breadth and diversity of comedy right now, not every show, not every website is right for you or you write for them. Um, find your niche again. Just like consume as much as you can and find where your voice makes sense. Um, and chase after that and then just don't fucking quit. That's so perfect for you to end with that because it really perfectly paraphrases what, how I end every show, which is to work on your craft endlessly, be a professional, be undeniable and be cool as fuck always. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com and at jamieflam on Twitter. A very special thanks to the Sideshow Network, The Hollywood Improv, Andrew Stevens, Sean Merrick, Roddy Swearingen, and producer Buddy Peace for the awesome music at the top and end of this episode. And be sure to check out hollywood.improv.com for updates on great new shows coming up in the main room and the lab.